Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Three Right Turns, a podcast that's here to tell anyone who's willing to listen that America is broken. It's going to take the work of a generation to mend it. So, hey, why not start now? I think I got a great show today. As Corey from the Moving Forward podcast joins me to talk about things we can do policy wise, uh, politically, to start fixing things here in our country. But first, I just want to talk about what's going on in America right now. And what's going on in America is that our streets are filled with anger and destruction. And there are many, many good reasons for that. I got a whole series planned upcoming for a much longer and more complete history of, of why these things are happening, the things that contributed to them. Uh, and if people have specific questions or concerns about it, by all means, send them to three right turns at baldmove.com and I'll do my best to answer them or point you towards people who can. But briefly, just looking back at the last month or two, you got a black man murdered while jogging down the street in Georgia by three white men. Men who went free for months until video of the incident surfaced and the wheels of justice began to grind very slowly, very reluctantly. And then we had uh, weeks of footage where we had white protesters armed and armored to the teeth standing in front of lines of passive police officers. These officers endured hours of pushing, screaming, spitting right in their faces, right in the middle of a pandemic. Because why? Because the people with capital wanted their laborers back. Because people of means wanted their servants back. And because poor people had to go back to work or else lose access to their health care, their livelihoods, and even their homes. Because the government refused to step in and support them for doing what is the right thing. What expert and scientific and medical advice told them to do. And the president supported those people and their heavily armed protests of their government. Ask the governors of those states to make concessions to keep the peace because these are very good and, and very fine people. Then a wealthy white woman, incidentally, the vice president of an investment firm, called the police on a black man who was birdwatching for the crime of asking her to leash her dog in an area of a park where leashes were required. She specifically said while threatening him, I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. While on the phone to the police, she put on a performance of a lifetime, saying that a black man is threatening her while her voice rises and register with alarm. The threat here unmistakable. I'm a white woman. You're a black man. I'm going to call the cops on you and they're going to come and they're going to hurt you. They might even kill you because how dare you challenge me? And finally, we all saw the video of a policeman protected by three of his fellow cops kneeling on a man's neck for nine minutes until he was dead. Kneeled on this man who was in cuffs and custody while many in the crowd begged and pleaded for the man's life that was slowly slipping away. One of the most horrifying things I've seen and heard. And I just imagine of what if you're in that crowd? What do you do? Do you rush the officers? I mean, sure, you might save this man, but you're going to probably die. Or best case scenario, go to jail for a long, long time for assaulting these officers. And no one's going to step forward to protect you. No one's going to defend you lest they get the same fate. So this pig crushed this man because he could. He wasn't afraid of being on video doing it because it turns out he's done this thing, this very similar thing, half a dozen times in his career and has gotten away scot-free each time. 
So then the video comes out and no arrests are made. Protesters show up. Remember, just a few weekends ago, we all saw what happens when white people show up in full battle rattle and scream in cops' faces for haircuts and for Applebee's to open. And now... In Minnesota, of all places, we see what happens when black folks show up to demand justice for a man who was publicly lynched by law enforcement. They were immediately shoved, beaten, gassed, and shot with rubber bullets. From the very first day, the president did not tweet his support. He tweeted his condemnation of the protesters, threatened to send in the military to shoot its own citizens, who he described as thugs. And now cities in our nation are burning. I'm not surprised. I'm not even particularly dismayed uh, by the rioting anyway, because people forget that nonviolent resistance does not involve the lack of violence. When Gandhi led his people in a resistance effort to break British power, it involved many Indians starving themselves to the point of death. When Martin Luther King Jr. led his people in the marches out in the streets, it was often to get beaten, have dogs sicked on them, fire hoses turned on them, men, women and children all in their Sunday finery. Driven and beaten like animals, because no matter their courage, no matter their humanity, no matter their bravery, grace or civility with this kind of treatment, that's exactly how their societies saw them as animals. And you must realize that there's never been nor will there ever be nonviolent resistance. The question is only, are you going to inflict violence or are you willing to absorb it onto yourself, hoping hoping that by turning yourself into a martyr that you can move people, in this case, white people, to mercy and compassion. Well, folks tried that in Minneapolis, and the cops responded with gas and rubber bullets, and when they ran out of those, the people struck back. People criticize the actions of rioters, but, you know, you can't really critique a riot because a riot is not a rational act. It's a dangerous expression of rage and frustration, Uh, Dr. King called it the language of the unheard. And the point is to never let people get to that point where they have so little investment in their own lives and their communities that they'd rather burn things down than to continue to have a dialogue, to continue to trust in some sort of process. So what can we do to help as citizens ourselves? I think we should show up and support our local black community. Find some black uh, grassroots movement in your area, in your town. Find out how you can give your time and money and manpower and love to support them. If they organize a protest, show up and support them. Bring a bunch of water, bring a bunch of milk, uh, sunscreen, maybe some basic first aid kits to help people protect and hydrate them. Uh, Flush out chemical agents. Uh, Deal with any uh, tear gas and rubber bullets. Film everything. But let the black folks lead. Don't be the one to start violence or destruction yourself, but definitely hold local law enforcement responsible because it's it's honestly time for them to de-escalate the situation. And then once that, they have to retrain their officers. Uh, Some of them need to be put away. We got to get some of these bad apples that we're always talking about. We got to get them out of that bushel. Uh, of good apples, make examples of them, be tough on police crime. Because ultimately, 
we got the police that we voted for for a generation, if not longer. Our police are violent and militant by and large because we've asked them to fight an impossible war and then let them have military weapons with which to prosecute it for pennies on the dollar because we're making this stuff faster than we know what to do with. We have SWAT teams that were supposed to be for complex hostage negotiations and heavily armed, well-organized threats, but they're routinely being used to execute no-knock warrants and minor drug arrests and busts where they're terrible tactics and worse police work often kill people, innocent people. We have to end the war on drugs. We have to reform our criminal justice system. We have to hold law enforcement accountable. We have to vote to make these things happen because you're not going to be able to hold a riot accountable. You're not going to be able to hold a riot accountable for shit. I think we're in for a long, hot summer, folks. I don't think there's any way to avoid that because we've got the political conventions coming up. We've got the election coming up. We are in the middle of an after pandemic uh our cities are burning right now and i guess now's not a bad idea to ask yourself what would have to happen before you would be willing to take it out and get in the streets and join these people are you prepared for it i think it might not be a bad idea if you think you might find yourself out there to maybe invest in a well-equipped medical kit maybe take a few classes down at the local Y. study some of the Hong Kong protesting tactics. I don't know. There's just tons of this stuff on video, but they just really pioneered some innovative things with tennis rackets and umbrellas and leaf blowers and water bottles that can utterly defeat a lot of these anti-protest tactics. And if you got 300 bucks, I think there's a lot worse investments right now than like a level three bulletproof vest. Get some safety glasses or goggles. Like Mr. Rogers said, when there is something terrible happening in your community, look for the helpers and what you can do to help the helpers or maybe be a helper yourself. Because what we're seeing a lot is a lot of those helpers that we thought that we could rely on uh, actually treat us as uh, hostile combatants. So we're going to have to help each other and we want to stay, uh, stay safe out there uh, while we're doing it. Okay, for our main topic, we have Corey from the Moving Forward podcast on. You might recall that I had his co-host, Rio Republican, on the last time. Uh, And we're going to talk about a lot of similar things, but from a different point of view. We're going to be talking about Andrew Yang's UBI proposal from a leftist point of view, leftist critiques of that, because I know they're out there. Uh, We're going to talk about immigration, uh, nuclear power, how we can better organize ourselves. If you want to hear more about uh, the Moving Forward podcast, a project where liberals, conservatives and centrists are all trying to work together to move forward towards a better tomorrow, please check out Moving Forward pod.com. You can also find Corey on Twitter at Corey Cottrell, and I'll have those links in the show notes for you as well. Hey, Corey, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, let's talk. I, I, the, the, what I like to do anytime I get someone on the podcast the interview, if I don't forget, uh, is get into kind of like who they are, because uh, I've got this theory that, uh, you know, the, the, the more we know about people, the harder it is to dislike them and the easier it is to understand and empathize where they're coming from. So so who is who is Corey from moving forward? Where are you from? What do you do? Religious background, whatever, whatever you want to share with us. Uh, so I'm originally from uh, Yellowknife, Northwest, Northwest Territories, Canada. So basically just south of the Arctic Circle up in Canada. Wow. Wow. Um, like yeah you're, you're getting supplied by airplane northwest territory uh, yeah so uh not quite there's one road that goes in and out but every every year in the spring and the fall um the uh the ice road that's across the the mckenzie river would go out and so for three weeks you couldn't get anything 
wow. uh, anything that uh, that was fresh uh, on the on the back and front of uh, summer. Because in summer they used like a little ferry or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So that was that was a whole thing. With that kind of uh, with that kind of rugged background, you've got to be just like uh, 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 you know one of those rugged individual conservative types. And I, I, just, yeah. I imagine you would think that. I'm glad that you framed it that way because here's here's the here's why that isn't true. Like definitely rugged, but like it means something different up there. Um, when I, when I was growing up, if if you you know it was minus forty basically like nine months out of the year. Right? Sure. If you had a flat tire or if your, you know, uh, car stopped working, it was on the side of the road. You could count on literally the first person stopping to see if you were okay every single time. Cause it's life and death. That's exactly it. Right. Like it, the, the community aspect, like there obviously, you know, everybody was, was, you know, kind of rugged and individualistic, but because you're out there on your own, it sort of makes it so that the baseline is that everyone is going to work together and be collaborative mm. and whatever you want to do on top of that is great. But that, that, that there was a real sense that you were looking out for each other. And I think that actually informs my, um, you know, excessively, you know, liberal and progressive view now, because it just where we aren't collaborating, you can draw a straight line to how the United States is failing. Like every time. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, what kind of religious background did you have up there up in the, the frozen north? Yeah, no, I mean, th- there were religious people up there and I tolerated them. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so you're, <laughs> you're, uh, you'd say you're a secular uh, agnostic, atheist? Um, so ag- agnostic is like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, so like, like, I don't know if there's a giant spaghetti monster behind the moon, but I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Mm. Right? Like, until you provide firm evidence of a thing, there's no reason to wonder about it, whether or not it's real. So I know for a fact that there is absolutely categorically no higher power until somebody proves otherwise. Where, so, so you grew up in this uh, kind of rugged individualist uh, environment that nevertheless required a lot of intense cooperation to make sure no one died. Uh, where, when, when, how far did you get before you started fi- uh, finding an interest in, in uh, politics? Because obviously you've created a podcast, you've got uh, over a hundred episodes now, right? That you've recorded. Uh, you got a, yeah. pa- you got a passion for this. Where, where did it come from? Where, when did that start awakening? That's, that's an interesting question. So I volunteered on both of the Obama campaign. Really? Um, yeah, not intensely, but you know, I, I was, I was there for it. Um, and and in between times was uh, one of his uh, most vocal critics where applicable. Sure. Um, the podcasting thing, like I I started listening to podcasts yeah, probably six or seven years ago um, and started one with a, a band I had at the time. Actually, a musician has been my sort of most frequent full-time job over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, uh, it sucked. We just sat around the table drinking a bottle of Jameson until the conversation got meaningless, which happened every time. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, it was it was fun. Wasn't until I met uh, Greg Smithwick that I do uh, uh, hashtag coffee with um, that uh, we started doing like you know legit podcasts, uh, and you know I did a thing called Coffee in the Dock, uh, where I literally just kind of set a challenge for myself that you know I live on the Gulf of Mexico, or back then I did. And, you know, I'm just going to go down and, and go Facebook, Facebook live, which was kind of a new thing at the time, um, every day for 30 days to see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's no set rule. There's no, whatever. We're just going to get together and talk about whatever comes up. So whether that was, you know, religion or science or philosophy or politics, that's just what it was. 
Um, and we, we did talk a lot about uh, uh, politics, but I would say it was probably about maybe a third tops, right? Obviously, to, you know, going through the election, Trump became uh, kind of a fucked up thing and none of us were really worried about it because there's no way in fucking hell that the American people would elect somebody that stupid. I mean, uh-huh. they elected and so they just wouldn't do that again, obviously. So we weren't worried about it until I actually, after the Comey letter came out, I was like, Oh fuck, he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got into, uh, so, so you've been doing coffee f- before moving forward. I, I, some, I, I, I guess I got that mixed up in my head. I thought you'd done moving forward and then we're branching out with coffee, but, uh, you've been doing that for how many years? Um, that's probably three years old now with, okay. uh, so that- like nine months break in there for a bit. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned pre-call that you live in, did you say Miami? Yes. That is a massive lifestyle change going from the Northwest territories to Miami, Florida. Uh, How did that, when did you, when did you move and and talk about that transition? I guess. So I, uh, shit, we're probably talking like 14 years ago now, 15 years ago. Um, I, uh, I got divorced and it was very, uh, acrimonious and lame and I was very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a girl, this is not even a lie on MySpace, who said I should come down and, uh, vacation in Florida. And then I, I didn't leave really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and legitimately spent eight years here as an illegal alien. I was about or, to say, are you, are you about to confess you're one of the damn illegal immigrants? <laughs> No, I, I, I am. I'm just one of those white ones from Canada. So yeah, I got to build, got to build that wall up north, that ice wall. Yeah, keep you guys out. Yeah. So Canadians keep threatening to build a hedge and just be like four <laughs> feet because we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I came down and, and, and didn't leave and, and you know was uh, uh, working as a musician because I could get cash and just trying to kind of get by, uh, and uh, you know obviously spent a little bit of time with uh with that girl and that got ugly too and so i ended up being single and playing music and finally met my wife and she's like you need to be legal you stupid asshole and figured all that stuff out because she's a lot smarter than me Mm -hmm. um and yeah i think the only reason why i'm legal now is because she's a badass and they didn't want to argue with her on pain of their own death yeah well good thing there's ice ice to be hounding you for sure uh yeah we lived in tucson for a while uh my wife and i and like i i I still like i carry guilt around about this because like you know if you were hispanic or remotely hispanic looking Mm -hmm. um you got pulled over all the fucking time Mm -hmm. and i was still you know not legal at the time and nobody ever bat an eyelash because i'm a white guy sure i i you know knew i was on the 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 unfortunate end of that spectrum and nobody was ever going to bat an eyelash at me. Like I was terrified of getting, you know, I still, I, I still drive like a grandmother, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that was, that was an existential risk for, for years for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really drive anyway, but yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Even, even after I had a, a driver's license down here, I still was super worried about it. So, how did, uh, you know, moving forward, the premise of that is essentially um, a liberal as, such as yourself is get on, gets online once a week with a conservative. Um, 
not a traditional Republican, certainly not a Trump Republican. He, uh, we actually had him on the show uh, a month or two ago, and he described himself as a never Trumper. Uh, what what was the impetus of that idea of this this whole concept of moving forward? Talk about like what that project and what you're trying to to do with it. Yeah, so I, I became a, a fan of uh, uh, Andrew Yang instantaneously. I've been tracking UBI for for about three years now. Um, had actually, you know, listened to a bunch of stuff from Scott Tent in advance of that. So when this, you know, candidate for president comes up to actually talk about UBI, that's fascinating. And then when he didn't immediately drop out and lose, I was like, wait a minute, like there was like, you know, a level of plausibility that was, was really amazing. Um, and somebody sent me, uh, this post that, uh, the Rio made before I'd never met him. Uh, it was a conservative case for Andrew Yang. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no way that a conservative is ever going to be for this. That's absolutely crazy. Um, and I read through it and, you know, he, he makes the sort of traditional conservative, uh, uh, uh position, uh, but a really, you know, valid and, and plausible case for why UBI, uh, is absolutely essential. So I had him on uh, uh coffee, my, my morning show to, to talk about that. Um, and then, you know, we got to talking to like, wouldn't it be amazing if we went through every single one of Andrew Yang's 18 million policies, but from our two different perspectives. Um, and you know, we tried that out a few times and, and it just caught on and then we never stop, keep finding excuses, keep coming back. How do you get, do you guys have any, like, um, I guess rules of engagement to keep the conversation productive or do you find that like, uh, if you just stay in like, uh, you know, Andrew Lang or Andrew Yang's policy world, that, that kind of keeps things productive or what, what, how, how does this work? I, Cause like, yeah. honestly, uh, you know, I, I follow you both on Twitter and, uh, you know, Rio, uh, Rio, Twitter Rio is a, uh, a different. He's, an it's, it's, he's a he's a different breed than than podcast yeah. Rio. Uh, he like yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, See, I'm on social media. Uh, we actually had a Facebook group for a while, uh-huh. and I we we ended up like I left the Facebook group because it was the only <laughs> way for me to get him to leave the Facebook group. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because <laughs> it was it was like just constantly idiotically contentious. Yeah. Uh, which is which is which is brutal. Um, and I mean, I'll tell you right now, like we almost broke up as a podcast duo a dozen times. Um, so like, I, I don't want to make it sound like, like it was, uh, you know, just automatic smooth sailing. Like we've been this amazing, super productive team since we first met. Cause that just isn't the truth. Yeah. Um, but we stuck with it long enough because you know, we, that we have enough that we share, even though we, we, we come to conclusions like UBI from, from different places. Um, it's still fascinating that we got to the same place and, you know, we can still have those conversations. So one of the things that and you'll hear this, if you listen to the podcast now, like the organizing principle of it is that we're, that we will work until we're finished to find consensus. Right. And cause we sort of felt, especially reading through all of uh, Andrew Yang's policies, the way that we did, that that was actually his special thought, right? He, he writes up his policy proposals, uh, so that it threads the needle so that, you know, it, it doesn't really feel like a whole bunch of compromise has happened, but that sort of traditional conservatives um, and progressives can all get what they want. Like you could find solutions to satisfy uh, um, a huge amount of, of uh, what both of us feel. So that, that's basically, I think, been the thing that has kept it really, really productive uh, since the beginning is that, you know, we, we know that consensus is possible. Um, and so we just keep working until we find it. Mm. 
Yeah, he's uh, the, the threading the needle. It seems like a paradigm or like trying to, to, to find that gap between the left and the right. It's, it seems like um, something that comes up a lot of your podcast because uh, <laughs> I had this idea. It's like, man, next time I got him on the get him on the, the podcast, I'm going to uh, go over his last week of tweets and be like, how is this threading? This seems like you're smacking right into the, the, the cliff of the right here. Uh, you're definitely clipping a wing or two, but uh, yeah, that'd it's, it's, it's be interesting to see. Um, so you yeah, got, but again, like when it comes to, I guess the the you know we we agree on things like UBI, but we also agree that Trump supporters are fucking dead to us. Hmm. Like there there is no there's no consensus building there, right? That's you know we did a whole article on on the new uh, or sort of the real divide because it doesn't really feel like it's sort of the the normal you know right versus left, you know progressives versus conservatives kind of thing anymore yeah. it's people that have absolutely no idea what facts are and want to get lied to mm-hmm. uh, and be ruled by a, an authoritarian ruler and everybody else I mean, but it's so let's uh, dig into that a little bit, because I don't think that's literally true. Um, I don't think they literally want to be lied to. I think there's a whole lot of, you know, and we, we kind of got into this with uh, when I came on to your guys's podcast and talk about education, because I think that, you know, uh, this is a common hobby horse on my podcast, that this isn't like a situation where we woke up and oh, my God, here's Trump. This is like a it's slow, true. steady descent, a boiling of the frog. Uh, yeah. That is the working class and the the the, the lower classes of America um, to make their communities less healthy, dumber, poorer, um, and and you, like this the steady political and propaganda campaign. So, yeah. do you think? Because like uh, that's one something I'm always questioning because I strongly believe that. Uh, you know, if we on the Democratic side had had a president like Trump, that we would have held our leaders accountable. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm. Uh, no, it's true. It, we can't have a leader like Trump. Right. I, I, it, it's, it, it seems impossible for us to have that. It, I, don't it know. Is. I know a lot of people on the right want to say that, like, you know, Barack Obama thought he was a king and he was unaccountable no, and stuff like that. But <laughs> but what what do you think that uh, what is happening in this country? Do you think because like the, the sad truth is that like 90 percent of conservatives or 90 percent of Republicans rather support Trump? Um, those yeah. numbers seem steady. Does that, there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. That could be that like uh, amongst people still willing to call themselves Republicans, uh, Trump remains very, very popular, but you've already excluded people like Rio Republican, who was a Republican until very recent and now is, you know, voting centrist Democrat because he can't stomach what's going on to his, his old party. Uh, broadly speaking, that's me. I used to be conservative. I used to describe myself as a Republican. I peeled off in the mid, you know, halfway through, uh, or I guess at the later stages of the Bush presidency, uh, early stages of the Obama presidency. Um, but do you think that the Republican party is shrinking? Um, or do you think that there is this many people in America that approximately 40% of the population thinks he's okay and, and, uh, everything's hunky dory over there? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a, um, you know, 30 to 35%. Um, I still think there's people that, that are, are less engaged that would call themselves Republican and have for so long and, and aren't really paying attention mm-hmm. to the dumpster fire as much. Um, but I think it's also true that, and this is, you can watch Trump play on this all the time, right? Like the, your, your point about is sort of descending gradually until, you know, we're now in this boiling frog, you know, uh, putrid mess that we're in. I, I completely agree with that. It, it's not like all this appeared out of nowhere. 
Um, and you know, it stems from like all, like the rise of every single authoritarian government probably in, in the history of humanity comes down to, especially when it, you know, uh, gets that way after being uh, a democracy is just lack of trust, right? If you, if you think that the government is out to get you, if you think the media is out to get you, if you think it's all, you know, completely and totally broken. And of course, like there's so many areas where it fundamentally is broken, mm-hmm. but then, you know, your, your position is to say, well, it's totally screwed up. So we just need a strong man to come in and tell us what we want to hear and, you know, just take it to the man, right? Like, like I, I get that as a concept. Um, but where it breaks down is when that same guy, uh, you know, is willing to completely and totally destroy democracy writ large in the process hmm. um, and is a con man and is lying 20 to 30 times a day about things big and small. Like it just <laughs> sort of breaks down for me. Like, and, and to your point, I guess it's just that, you know, they've, they've been dumbed down to the point where, you know, if you don't trust the media at all, somebody could come in like Trump and say, definitely don't trust the media. Everyone is out to get you except for me. I love you. And only I can save you. And it's like, all right, well, everything else wasn't working. So we might as well try this. And it just, I mean, to me, that's the height of ignorance, but it seems to be the argument that, that a lot of people are making. The other thing that I guess that concerns me is that, um, you know, I was, uh, I was, I'm a pretty big fan of federalism. Um, I like the system of checks and balances in the U.S. government. I, what is very hard for me to understand is why so many Republican establishment types have gone along with the era of Trump as well. Like, there's very, very few uh republicans in the senate that have been willing to like you know take a stand against those policies there's very few amongst the house that are willing to take a, a stand against those policies that that leads me to believe that like maybe this is a much more you know broadly speaking popular in american culture thing than i really want to admit what do you think about cuz again like i you know if we like if uh, the left had a trump you know we elected i don't know president oprah winfrey or president dwayne the rock johnson and they started doing the shit that that we've seen uh, Trump do. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that there would be like uh, there would be a correction from the Senate in the house, but we're just not seeing that on the Republican side. What do you think of that? So, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think if, if, if Trump was a Democrat, um, at least half of Democrats would have voted to impeach. Um, and, and hopefully a lot more uh, like it, it, there's, there's no way that a Democrat would survive doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, it, yeah. So I, you know, why it's possible. Um, one of the other things that, that is far less likely and far less prevalent on you know the, the left or with Democrats than uh, uh, than than with Republicans um, is you know, I mean, <laughs> we still trust science. And yes, there's like the anti-vaxxer wing, but mm-hmm. it's like ten Karens on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not that big, uh, thankfully, even though it does exist. I think it, there there is a level of there's a level of trust in strongmen types in the patriarchy or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. that's kind of bred into them. You know, like if you if you look at the religious breakdown between Republicans uh, and Democrats, a lot more of them are religious than we are, um, and I think they see it a lot differently. Um, and I, I I sort of hate to paint that with too broad a brush. Um, but if you'll believe one fairy tale, why wouldn't you believe another? Yeah, I, I, I guess that that's discomforting. But at the same time, like, I, like if somebody comes up with a with a better description for for why that's the case, I mean, politically, there's just the pure cynicism that they're terrified of losing, and they think that he can just 
you know, wave his, his magic wand and, and the mob will vote against them or whatever, which actually has been proven true a couple of times, but also yeah. not true a couple of times. So, yeah. you know, how sort of regular, uh, uh, you know, long time people can, can go along with this. I mean, also, like, I don't know. I never could. And I don't yeah. think any Democrats could, or I would, you know, I'd be a, no, it's weird because I, I do feel that like there are, as you say, there's 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 kooky science denying elements in the left. You know, uh, maybe we'll talk about it towards the end of this podcast. But like anti-vaxxers is one of them. There's one that's like you know broadly does distrust like genetically modified food. There's a you know anti-nuclear yeah. power um, sentiment amongst uh, the leftists. Um, the problem, I guess, is that they don't have control, uh, or I guess not the problem. The 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 nice thing is that the the people. Um, those people don't have control over the party. Whereas, you know, for whatever reason on the Republican side, you know, you can bring a snowball into the house chamber and say, look, from global warming. And that's considered, you know, an, an, an argument. Those things have been, you know, kind of mainstream. And it feels like some of the, I don't know, the, the more educated or elite amongst Republicans, like the, you know, some of the long-term uh, Republic, uh, conservative thinkers, uh, George Will and, and whatnot, that frightens them. The fact that like, oh shit, you know, people are really buying into some of this rhetoric and they're taking it to uh, just, just crazy extreme conclusions. And it does seem to like bother them, but like they've already, you know, when you had this Tea Party movement that like swept out a lot of establishment Republicans and put a bunch of unqualified. A lot of these people are like Tea Party types that, you know, just ran on the fact that taxes are too damn high, even though taxes are historically low and that yeah. healthcare is socialism. And, you know, Americans have had enough of it. Throw the tea in with the, the Boston Harbor and. There, I do worry that, like, if things don't get better, if we don't start finding ways to to solve the problem of uh, income inequality, that we will get those radicals on the left too, and then it's going to be a real shit show. Um, but yeah, I I think I think you're right. You know, like the, the especially like my experience with the Yang Gang really uh, has has thrown this up, right? You see that the um, the same impulses to just like automatically damn the entire media or like right. You know, uh, start talking about the fact that they think that, you know, DNC cheated and robbed uh, Andrew Yang of the presidency because they apparently don't know math like mm. at all. Mm. Um, so it's, it, those same impulses are there. I just think like those people don't actually fucking vote like ever. Yeah. Right. Like on, on our side, like that, you know, and again, like I love the idea of getting the, the, you know, 40% or whatever it is of people that don't vote. Like that's the largest voting block in the country is people that are disengaged. And you're absolutely right. Like the, the income inequality and that, that feeling that, that, you know, government is a thing that happens to them, not for them and with them mm-hmm. um, is what I think underpins all this stuff. And it's, it, it is easily solved. It's the most elegant, you know, thing about Andrew Yang is that he was literally out there just trying to create good government. It bled through every single policy proposal he ever had. Yeah, let's pivot to there, too, because let's let's pivot to some solutions. Um, you know, I had Rio on uh, a while back. We talked about UBI and he made the conservative case for it. But, you know, there's a, a, a lot of, I think, you know, leftists and people that are skeptical of, of capitalism and, and like some of the underpinnings of our society that are frightened of UBI. I don't, I don't want to like go into the, the, the whole explanation of UBI. Cause I think we covered that in that last episode. If you want to, you know, get the, the full, um, you know, ground floor pitch for universal basic income, check out the real Republican podcast, which I'll link in the show notes. But I want to talk about, um, UBI, 
and critiques from the left because broadly speaking you know andrew yang's uh, idea of ubi is everybody gets a thousand dollars a month and you this is a, a stipend or a, a payment that everybody gets regardless of how rich or poor you are um you know how you use that obviously is going to be different you know if you're poor you're going to use it on housing and food if you're you know middle class you might use it on education and child care and if you're rich I don't know. You'll roll it and snort cocaine with it, burn it in a furnace, whatever. Um, But everybody gets it. You don't have any kind of administrative overhead deciding, you know, uh, means testing, anything like that. And crucially, the thing that is interesting is it's indexed to, uh, in in some way, the the gross domestic product. So as our country becomes more um, uh, productive, uh, all of us citizens will see that grow in terms of our uh, uh, universal basic income. So maybe five five years from now, it'll be twelve hundred dollars and ten years from now, it'll be two thousand dollars. And, you know, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, so one of the critiques I've seen from the left about UBI uh, because there's this fear that UBI is going to be this Trojan horse that the poor working class will take with the last vestiges of their bargaining power right before the age of automation makes us all obsolete. And it'll essentially, you know, put us on this like permanent surf class where you'll have these people subsiding on UBI and they're always scrapping for more. Um, and they're always at danger of having those cuts because the people that have are going to think they're going to see them as leeches and mooches and do nothing. Um, so one of the ways the argument goes is that if you look at the, the gross domestic product growth that's happened in the last hundred years, right? You know, in yeah. ni- 1900, the U.S. gross domestic product was not even a trillion dollars. Today's GDP is around 20 trillion. You've had 20 mm-hmm. times growth. Um, none of this productivity could have been generated without the U.S. worker. Um, obviously, it couldn't be generated that capital, too. But, you know, it's been a partnership. Uh, right. Now we're getting offered $100 a month dividend. Is this a good like how do we know that this is a good deal for the worker? Uh, like one, no, thing, one thing I've been interested in is like, has anyone gone back and like seen like, okay, in $1,900 terms, if you gave someone a thousand dollar UBI, it wouldn't be a thousand dollars. It'd be like 75 bucks or whatever. And then you pinned it to the GDP. What would that be in 2020 dollars? So I guess I, the problem, the problem I have with this, and it's a big one is that I have never once heard anyone make that argument that had a better idea. <laughs> not one time, like not even remotely. Right. It's like, well, that's not enough. Cool. What's your idea? Well, let's like tell all the landlords that all their buildings belong to us now. Like, cool. <laughs> like, go back to fucking first year university and smoke more pot. Uh-huh. Like, because it just it's 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 asinine and ridiculous and unworkable, right? Like, it, like that universe will never exist, you know, until the guns come out and then you know we we see how true socialist slash communist uh, uh, places end up, right? Like, it's not good. <laughs> it's like it's just. It has all the same problems we do. So I guess the the the, the main argument that that that, yeah, that I have for it is that I have yet to see anything that's even remotely as good. What is as the- far as creating equity, like so, and think about like every single and like you know the left, we kind of worry about. And I do personally. I spend a lot of time thinking about um, you know, people that are homeless and, and people that are sort of the working poor, which makes a ridiculous amount of people in the United States. Sure. Imagine giving them an asset of $250,000 where they got the interest for it every single month. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's what it is. Right. It's like, you know, the, the idea that you get supplemented now when, you know, whenever you're in labor negotiations, 
um, you know, your, uh, your strike payment is completely and totally paid for. Like you have ultimate leverage because you can just go live wherever the hell you wanted it to, to, to live. That was a little bit cheaper. Um, and not die of starvation, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many people now, if they had that situation, wouldn't go into work because they could actually subsist. It's not a lot, but they could subsist as opposed to now, right now where people are having to go to work and they don't starve to death and they can get this disease and die. Right. Like right. if you have a better idea as a lefty, like let us know what it is. Cause like the second you think, well, why don't we 10 X welfare and still do the meat testing, mm-hmm. which I actually haven't heard anyone say, but like that's like a, a thing that we could suggest, right? Mm-hmm. Because the rich aren't getting it because the middle class aren't getting it. It creates this uh, versus them thing. So eventually it'll just get cut. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. Right. Yeah. They, it, it becomes easy for rich people to pit, you know, medium, uh, uh, middle class people against poor people. Yeah. With but, UBI, that just kind of distorts that argument. So I, I say, um, I'm not saying that, uh, or I wouldn't say that, uh, someone like, like, like I'm not going to argue against the idea of UBI. I think it's a good idea. I think the, the yeah. argument is essentially is like, imagine if, uh, you're negotiating with your boss and you've been historically underpaid and underappreciated and they come up like, okay, okay. All right. Here's, here's the deal, Corey. You're, you're right. Uh, I'm going to give you an extra $500 a year. Cool. Yeah. Like, would the argument like like would be like, thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate that. And I will. Or would you is there a room to counter negotiate? Well, actually, if we roll back and look in 10 years, I've been underpaid a thousand dollars a month every month for the last you know 10 years. Uh, I right. need to have a lot more than five. I think that's the th- like, you know, actually un because here's the thing. Andrew Yang suggesting UBI as a as a kind of like late stage capitalist um, way to stave off revolution if you know, 35% of the employee, the, the population's unemployed due to automation, right? Like, like you yeah. literally have to do something or tons of people are going to die either in riots and civil unrest or starvation or because of climate refugee stuff. Like you're, you're, you're standing down some grim realities where I think the average leftist would like to roll things back to like the beginning of the industrial revolution and be like, well, how, you know, let's, let's like equally divide this, this economic pie from the jump. So the, the, but, and obviously that's not going to happen, but I guess the, problem is like what An- An- Andrew Yang is offering feels like the boss is coming back and like well here's your $500 are we cool and I think right like, so okay uh, yeah, that, where did the thousand dollars number come from is I guess what I'm interested in um, is that like a, at, uh, a trial balloon at, <laughs> no <laughs> I mean and that's, that's fair I think like the the I think where that like basically if you look at the, the Alice line that the um income constrained working poor line, I think mm-hmm. is around 12,000 in most places. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that, that depends on living expenses and all that kind of thing. So I, I know there's some variability there. Um, but yeah, like it, right now we're in a situation where apparently half the country can't handle a $500 bill. So a thousand dollars a month is life changing for every single one of them. Sure. Like I said, my, my biggest thing is like, it, it like, is it sort of philosophically coherent? to say that the working people of America deserve more hundred percent. Like, yes, that I totally agree with that. Right. Um, but if we, if we stick to our guns on that, um, there's currently between 25 and 35% of people that should be getting welfare that aren't getting it, mm-hmm. that are homeless, that are extremely hungry. Right. So how long are we going to let them starve to death? before we accept something, mm-hmm. right? And if we accept something like, like uh, UBI at $1,000 a month, suddenly everybody has more time and more capital to do more activism. Mm-hmm. 
right? So, so, like it, it just it, it the, having the the perfect be the enemy of the good is, I think, something that the left has been getting wrong in the country for a long time. Oh, you I mean yeah, you de- you definitely uh, have a, a a sympathetic ear to that argument. Um, so you're essentially like the union boss saying, "Look, guys, we negotiated our best deal. I know a thousand dollars is not enough, but like it's either this or you know everyone's going to get laid off, where it's going to be even worse." Blah blah. That's that's the argument we're making here. Not that this is the the perfect solution. I, or this I, is what we deserve. Yeah, this is I, just. What I don't we can like get. the because I think I think UBI tends to GDP is actually a hell of a lot more valuable than that. Like that we're, what we're talking about is completely life changing. Yeah. You know, for for most people, especially like, like, like even just taking like the bottom forty percent, a thousand dollars a month is like a forty percent raise. Uh huh. Right, like that's not small. No. <laughs> and you can just quit your fucking job. And buy a van and move to a beach if you wanted to, mm-hmm. right? Like so, so it, it it because it's unconstrained like that. I think you know people miss how powerful it is to own your own time if you choose to uh, to do to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it and again, like even UBI is not going to be necessarily a, a, an easy thing to pass. No, um, but because it it you know because it would be universal, I just I I can't escape the feeling that that we would maybe have. Uh, more of a feeling that we were all in this together and it could actually be something that stuck around and that we could grow as a collaborative uh, collaborative effort. No, I agree. Cause like, I'm a big proponent of like developing what I call social technology, the like essentially um, things that boost people's education, compassion mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, information to have about the world. Because when people have more of those, uh, they are able to make better decisions and have a clearer view of where they want to go for future. And when people don't have those, they get uh, things become meaner, things become more desperate, greedy, feel like you can't get help your fellow man because that might be slit in your own throat. Uh, and I think UBI is a powerful tool. So let's move past the, you know, the, the idea that like, okay, well, we, you know, union and labor, uh, union and management have, have negotiated and thousand dollars the best uh, uh, we can get. What, I guess the the other fear on the left is what if this becomes like a dependency? Because again, I do feel like we are in the twilight of the at least American worker and that um, in the next 50 years, we're going to see widespread automation that's going to replace a third, perhaps two thirds of our labor in this country. Um, right. so we win the hard fought win, uh, war, we get UBI, we're all happy on a thousand dollars a month. And most people are happy because like the people that were starving are no longer starving. Um, but, uh, and, and you've got like a, a, a new thriving middle class that's able to go back and get education, you know, uh, uh, get better access to, to childcare, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then a third of the jobs in the United States go away. Now you now have people that have no realistic hope of ever getting anything more than UBI and UBI becomes instead of a floor, it's also a ceiling. Is that something you ever worry about? Because actually, what, 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 no. how, and also like the, the, fully articulate this before you, you, uh, you assuage my fears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is Andrew Yang going to structure this so that it cannot be taken away or reduced or like, you know, unpinned from the GDP with like a, you know, a 50, uh, like a one senator margin, you know, uh, how, how can we make this to where if we're, if we're going to fight this fight, how can we make it to where it's a little bit harder than just the next administration coming right. around and saying, no, taking it away. Um, I think, and it's been a while since I looked at this, he, you know, he was talking about having, having it, uh, uh, sort of written into the law that it would require a constitutional, uh, uh um, amendment to get rid of it. Wouldn't you need a constitutional amendment to do that though? I, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know. 
uh, but he seems to think that that organizational capacity uh, uh, would would work. So, nice. and, and again, whether that's true or not, that's fine. I, like, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an expert on that mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I think the other thing is like the the likelihood that Alaska is ever going to get rid of theirs is exactly zero. So. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, you are. The, Alaska is a state that has a, a UBI for the citizens. Right. Right. So, you know, it, uh, once it's in place, they become insanely popular because everybody's either getting a tax break or getting money and everybody's happy with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's, it, you know, I, I'm not really worried about them, them getting rid of it. Um, and there would be a lot of vested interest, especially if we had more time to be activists around democracy dollars to, uh, 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 to work on that. And not that that probably isn't, um, not that there isn't an issue there, like that, that, that would always be a worry. Mm-hmm. But again, like, the, it's like, what else, what, what else are you going to do? Right? Like, at the, this is really what it boils down to. Like, the, do the American people deserve more and would a more equitable society be better? Yes. How? Because if you can't tell me how, then we're doing UBI. Yeah. Right. If you can't tell me how without some kind of crazy revolution where you know you destroy capitalism and and uh, uh, you know um, basically just try and like invent this entirely new thing, which would require basically taking capital and means of production, um, you know, at the point of a gun. You know, I'm not interested. Like that's like that. It's kind of a non-starter, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just it, it the likelihood that that will work as far as the historical president is, is, is close to zero. So but on the flip side, like, you know, with, with all the jobs getting lost to automation, I, I do believe, especially, you know, with what we've seen, um, you know, with the rise of the, the, the internet and sort of automated communication and different things like that, that happens slow enough that there's like a bunch of new things that we intelligent monkeys do uh, you know, whether it's Twitch streaming or, you know, rampant podcasting, cause that's been democratized as far as access to work. Like there, there's new things that you can do to create, uh, income streams. My, my issue with automation and the reason why we're going to need, uh, uh, UBI is because it's going to be blindingly, ridiculously fast, right? Like the second that the first robotic truck shows up could be five years later that there's almost no humans driving, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's going to come faster than what anyone is, is really prepared for, which is where you could get, you know, riots in the streets or whatever. Like some, some amount of support is, is going to be absolutely essential. Um, but I do think that overall, there's still the possibility that, um, and I think not even possibility, I think likelihood that we're not just all going to sit around doing nothing. We're going to find interesting things to do and interesting ways to, uh, to provide value for each other. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot less sort of having to go get a job um, and a lot more sort of entrepreneurial, you know, deciding for yourself what you're going to do um, and and not waiting for somebody else to figure it out for you. Because uh, yeah. obviously that, that's a dangerous proposition at best. Yeah, I don't worry about people not having things to do as far as like, you know, being fulfilled. It's more of like... Um I just do worry sometimes about like, this seems like a gig economy with like an allowance and that you are going to have, you know, that's like, I don't know if you're, you're much on television, but one of the shows I'm right watching right now that I really like is the expanse. And it's, 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 it's like a, so you're all on expanse, you know, that like, uh, 
there's a permanent underclass of humanity on earth that's that's stuck so, on basic and there's like job lotteries and the only way you can get off and, and like you know get out of this teeming horde of like this 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 huddled mess of civilization is to you know get win a lottery get a job go off world and and make some money um but you know what the, you know what the main uh, uh issue with that was what's that is it was it was means tested and constrained if you were on basic, there was a bunch of shit you couldn't do. If you were on basic, there was, there was hospitals you couldn't go to. If you're on basics, th- there was, there was education that you were not allowed access to. There was medication that you weren't allowed access to. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the perfect argument for, for why means testing is garbage. Mm-hmm. Right. With, with, you know, uh, uh, with the UBI, uh, it, I think it would be completely, totally different than, uh, the basic version in, uh, in expanse. Uh, because there, there would basically be, you know, an infinite amount of, uh, uh, um, you know, ways to reorganize your own corner of society to provide whatever kind of value to each other you want to provide. Yeah. And I mean, before too long, you know, the amount of education that's, that's, that's possible, you know, it's going to be, uh, uh, fairly rapid. Now, granted the, the number of seats on starships will be limited, right? So not right. everyone's going to get one, right? <laughs> which is a thing. Um, yeah, you have real scarcity uh, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess another problem, uh, the the other thing that left us worry about is the fact that, like, you know, you ask most people, you know, we live in a democracy, right? You know, you don't like the people that you uh, are. are or have authority over you, you can vote them out, whether that's, uh, you know, there's no, and no one's above that, whether they're a senator or a state representative, a sheriff, uh, a judge, and most in, in, in many cases, a uh, city council person. Like if you, if, if they fuck up enough people's lives and enough people don't like them, you can give them the old heave ho. Um, and a lot of, uh, you know, leftist politics is not just like, oh, everybody wants the same stuff. Everybody wants to seize it. There's also like a, a real concern for, you know, unjustified hierarchy and, you know, undemocratic things. And most people, by far, the biggest brush they have with anti-democratic forces is when they go in and clock in at, at, at their job because they have a small you know, unelected, unaccountable uh, uh, members of this collective that are setting policy and, you know, creating things that affect people's lives, you know, their pensions, their retirements, uh, their yeah. work schedules, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no they they got they got no way to, to to participate in that. And I think the other critique of UBI is that, you know, this does nothing to democratize the workplace and, and maybe they would prefer things like strong labor unions or or uh, promotion of uh, um, uh, of, of workers co-ops uh, you know you know it's not like going in with a gun and demanding uh, you know joint ownership of the the means of production but it's a way to right. give the workers say over a massive entity that has say in their life and we have nothing you know we have no way to influence it yeah so I don't think that should be an either or conversation mm. right I mean like for, for example, let's say, you know, if we were set it up as a dichotomy, you can either have stronger labor laws, which are obviously a good idea, uh, or UBI. Okay, well, if you get the stronger labor laws, you just fucked over 35% of people that are, are like sure. right on the brink, yeah. right? Um, and that's sort of from a moral ethical point of view. I always think about, you know, who are the most vulnerable people? And, you know, you know is this priority going to hurt them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I would, I would just argue that we focus on both of those things, you know, as, as a rule. Um, 
And, and really, like, UBI is the prime mover because if you have UBI, you've got far more leverage as, as, uh, uh, you know, as an employee mm-hmm. than if you didn't because, you know, you, the whole, one of the first times I talked to Rio, is like, yeah, you can just, like, vote with your feet. I'm like, you've never met a poor person, have you? Yeah, right. Not right? That easy. But that's not a thing. But with UBI, it kind of becomes a thing. Yeah, that's. Right. A, I guess that's the thing is like the um. So like you, yeah. Why can't we do everything? Why can't we do everything at once? Which is something that I've kind of promoted on our podcast. Like you know, um, yeah. especially when it comes to like social issues. Like I, my God, I just want to f- get everyone on the same page when it comes to like you know race, sex, gender. Uh, because we spend so much time fighting over about that stuff, and those those are all essentially you right. know they have satisfying answers. Just everyone's not caught up on the same page. That stuff divides us. But on yeah. the other hand, it's a very real concern that like you, we don't have li- unlimited political capital. And what I see on the right is they are willing to make steady gains in some areas of society and lose in others. For example, like if, uh, you know, I used to be a, a pretty staunch Christian, um, the distorted shape that the Republican party has managed to hammer Christianity in, in the last 50 years is wild yeah. to me. It's, it's absolutely dark. wild what a Christian has allowed themselves to be degraded. A, a follower of Christ has allowed themselves to be degraded. Uh, what what shape they are, how how mean and anti-poverty, uh, anti-child health, like all the things that like Jesus said, hey, pay attention to these people. These are the ones that I'm really going to when I, when I come back and settle scores and, and, and right. balance spreadsheets, right. how you treat these people is the thing I'm going to use. And they've completely turned that up on their head, but they've done it yeah. in a way that I don't think the left is willing to because the left wants everything no. to happen at once all the time whereas the right, right. says we have a limited, amount, a limited amount of political capital that we can we can push around and we're going to yep. through think tanks through public policy institutes through uh, frankly propaganda media networks we're going to use that yep. to to marshal our, our voters to where they're on I don't know how we defeat that. Like the way to defeat it was to have our own uh, think tanks and our own, you know, media outlets, yeah. hopefully not as, you know, one-sided and violent and fact, but, but like, I don't see us building those tools to do the things where we'd have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Because I do think that like, you know, why not UBI and stronger labor unions and, uh, right. uh, uh, and, and, so- and trans rights and uh, as workers co-ops and the healthcare yeah. and public housing because we just, we, yeah, you, you have to walk or chew gum. You can't do it all, the, the, uh, all at the same time. Well, and this is, this is where you try and go for the prime movers. I mean, like the Republicans right now are playing the best defensive political move um, in the history of the Republic by stacking judges. They know that demographically they're fucked in the next 20 years. Yeah. So they've literally destroyed the courts for the next 50. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing that's happening. Like, Oh, I don't really feel like voting. Good for you. We're going to lose the Supreme court at seven, two for the rest of your fucking life. Right. Right. Like, and people don't understand how, how epically fucked up that is. Like mm-hmm. that's, 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 you know, the, the, uh, the kind of rear guard action you could only dream of, um, which basically means they can, they can turn off anything they want to. Turn yeah. Off. Once, once we start um, the winning the democratic battles, we're going to have a whole bunch of judicial, like, you know, uh, a stack yeah, set we, of, we, we won't win them. We'll win them. We'll win them democratically and then have them overturned judicially. Right. Which right. is a huge, huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where, I mean, honestly, like I'm entirely open to stacking the court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, so I think what that, you know, some people have said, you know, we don't want to call UBI a panacea, but I kind of do. And, the, the reason for that, I mean, there's so many different things that come down to the reason why I think the Republicans have gotten, gotten away with this and you know, they've got the think tanks and they've got all this stuff because they've got money. They, they have the entire 
uh, you know, wealthy and greedy class that is willing to pour millions and millions and millions of dollars at any priority that they have, mm-hmm. up to and including their own propaganda network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like we don't have that to, to a lesser extent. Uh, no, we have. You know, we, left, we, we definitely have liberal. We definitely have liberal billionaires. It just seems like we don't spend. Our liberal billionaires don't spend money as efficiently as the uh, conservative billionaires. Right. I mean, they're they're doing it altruistically to you know, frankly, damage their own uh, uh, you know financial position, but mm-hmm. for uh, social and and you know ethical good mm-hmm. and more power to them. But like with the UBI, how many more activists would there be? Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's just the, the amount of, of, of human capital that we can bring to bear on any issue that we find important is always limited by the fact that you got to work or go work at Burger King so you don't start to death, mm-hmm. right? With, with UBI, you could work at Burger King like 20 to 30% as much and have the rest of your time to be, you know, working on democracy dollars or whatever the, the sort of the next prime mover is, right? Like there really are things that if we manage to accomplish them, they make everything else in our sort of agenda uh that much more doable yeah it's and that's the man that's the the rub is that uh the democratic side of the equation is this loose coal like we're the rebel alliance that's this loose coalition of a bunch of people that have conflicting like you know what is uh you know uh and, and and it seems like that um to get ahead, we're going to, like I said, what I'd like to do is get everybody on the same page and educated enough to where like we can move and do all those things at once. But like, you know, I I do worry that like, if you start talking about like, Hey, you know, there's, there's people that are going to have to wait on their hot button issues uh, to get something like UBI done. Then you're just going to peel off that crucial five to 10% of support that you need to get UBI. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, if, if you tell, Hey, we're going to have to wait yeah. a little bit on like, you know, racial justice or, you know, different rights of minorities or, you know, the, the different, you know, like all kinds of different things across the spectrum that you're going to eventually disillusion those people. And you're going to be back in this. You know, and, and the other thing is like, man, I just feel like there's just so little time to fix some of these problems because, you know, as yeah. someone that believes and, and sees as a fact, like climate change, like, you know, we got a ticking time clock about like what's going to happen before we're going to have to spend massive amount of money on seawalls and, you know, dealing with yeah. hundreds of millions of, of refugees worldwide fleeing like, you know, economic devastation because of the climate change, um, yeah. mass starvations it, and stuff. Like we don't have a lot of time to like get our fucking shit together before the Titanic sinks, you know? And it's, it's, I just listened to, uh, to Sam Harris and, and Tim Ferriss. Um, and I think you're right. Like that having different priorities is, is, is a huge problem on the left. But I, I think it's, I think it's surmountable if we're, we're smarter about it. Um, and I want to talk about uh, DAOs, uh, decentral, decentralized autonomous organizations after this. But so Sam Harris is on uh, Tim Ferriss podcast. They're talking about, uh, hallucinogenics, uh, which is another, uh, thing that is close to my heart. Um, and, so Tim Ferriss asked Sam Harris, you know, what's one thing that, that you kind of changed your mind about in the last little while? And he basically said, um, you know, he's been trying to explain to people that, that he sort of erstwhile thought were intelligent, um, the basics around the epidemiology of the COVID-19 virus. And because they're in right wing circles or whatever the thing is, they just, they're like immune to fact and reason. Uh, around the, the, the science behind this, mm-hmm. um, you know, even as 93, 94,000 people are, are, are dead, um, 
you know, and, and it was entirely uh, uh, solvable as a problem, but it was small as for every single epi- epi- epidemiologist on the planet. Sure. And some countries, some countries in, in fact have solved it and they're reopening and yeah. they're doing so in a safe, safe way. Right. Well, that's like South Korea had their first. Uh, uh, yep. Um, that's the gold standard. Infection the same day we did. Right. Mm-hmm. And they did exactly aggressively what was in the plan um, that Trump threw out that Obama left. Mm-hmm. That they did literally all of it all at once, um, and and you know they've got uh, a death rate per capita that is like microscopically smaller than it is here. That's something we could have done. This will sure. always be on the Trump administration. Um, you know, ninety nine percent of the deaths were probably uh, avoidable. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so like, but the, the the sort of war on facts now is incredible, um, and trying to convince as Sam Harris is saying, even trying to convince people he thought was smart about this is impossible. So he basically said that the thing that has changed is that you know, the idea that we're going to convince that we're going to persuade people about climate change, which is even on a longer arc mm-hmm. is impossible. We should quit like that. We're never going to persuade anyone that climate change is a big deal that isn't already persuaded. The only thing we're going to be able to do is design products like, you know, Tesla that now has uh, uh, with their new batteries that are coming out is going to be extremely good at price parity with other cars. Like we're, we're basically going to have to just build the world around them um, without ever convincing them of anything, um, which is both disheartening. And I think entirely true. Like I think we've been really fucking up trying to convince uh, people that are in that bubble of anything. Well, I mean, I, that's the, my, my problem is like, I think that we, oh man, I don't know where I stand on this because like I, one of my things is like, I don't think we've really tried. Um, you know, there's been, uh, man, I don't, that sounds wild when I think about all the documentaries and all the stuff, but like, yeah. and I think of how the media has dealt. <laughs> yeah. When I think when the, the, how the media has like discussed climate change, um, I don't feel like they've done it in a particularly helpful way. They, they, they do it like they, uh, you know, it's like if they interviewed a flat earther, you know, uh, they'd have a flat earther on and then they have a, you know, a astrophysicist from Stanford and those two people would debate and a lay person would see that you have two two professionals with equal sounding credentials and equally valid worldviews. And like, I don't know, maybe this flat earth, we should hear to fly. I should, I've been on a mountain. I haven't been able to see a city that I should see. Like, you know, it's like one of those things where, uh, of course, I don't know how you change the media because for whatever reason, they've got the, you know, their journalistic standards and, and, uh, they're the, you know, they get, they got to make money, uh, and, and they're doing their thing. And like, you know, I sometimes think, well, maybe the BBC or the public broadcasting model that they've done in like Canada and UK is better. But then you look at, you know, uh, where all the hotbeds of anti science is, it's, it's, it's largely English speaking societies, Australia, Canada, uh, the UK. Yeah. Uh, America we definitely have it in Canada. And there's, it, it there's does... one, there's one main difference that is fueling all of that. And that's the algorithms on social media. Let the dummies find each other. And that it, it is an automatic reinforcing mm. and validating of opinions that are otherwise just pure dog shit. 
Yeah, it does feel like um, some of this stuff is like just like accidental things that came like, you know, maybe we could have survived like the dis- the dismantling of the public education system. Maybe we could have dis- uh, survived this transition between old media and new media where the newspapers are all gone and bankrupt. Maybe we could have survived this the rise of social media, but it all happening together, especially when, right. you know, the, the, also the fact that like this came out of Silicon Valley culture, which is move fast and break things, be disruptive. Don't pay attention to what's legal and right and fair. Just get things done and MVP it and. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like, I don't, I don't want this to sound like a doomer podcast that like, there's, there's no hope. It just does seem like, um, we need some wins in some of these directions. Like we need some social media companies to grow a conscience. We need, well, right. And it really, it, it is going to require that. And I think there's a reason why I'm, I'm fascinated with, with cryptocurrency and, and, and the blockchain space in general, um, because it's actually going to start addressing a lot of those things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, one of the, the team members on uh, a project called Chirp, which is basically going to be a, a blockchain version of, uh, uh, sort of Twitter and Patreon and different things like that. And like the initial conceit is that, you know, the, the Facebook is making, well, everybody, Twitter or whatever, they're all making money off of your attention and off of your content. Like every time we post, that's basically where we are the product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the main conceit with Chirp is that, you know, that you're going to get paid for everything you post. And like every like is actually a microtransaction where you're going to get uh, uh, paid in, uh, uh, you know, whatever token uh, we decide to, uh, to launch yeah. it on. Um, but I think underneath that, there, there's going to be uh, KYC involved, uh, which basically just know your customer. Like you're going to have to kind of prove your identity. Um, and because it's on the blockchain, there will never again be any doubt as to who started what. Mm. Um, and because of the, 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 the public private uh, sort of elements on, on how blockchains work, I, I think right now we're, we're sort of stuck in this thing where it's, it's difficult to know who's doing what or to be able to track it and to be able to, 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 to develop credible sources of information. And I think that there, there's a huge sea change coming. Um, now, granted, does that take you know five years or fifteen years? I don't know, uh, but I think that there there's some some work being done there, and it really is going to be up to companies to to to, to do that uh, because it's really clear that you know that the human beings as a whole aren't really necessarily going to do that. There's always going to be that thirty percent that are like, well, you know, QAnon's not that crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or they make sense uh, every once in a while. Well, let me ask you this because like, you know, you talk about this blockchain stuff. I, I don't, I didn't okay. hear the silver bullet solution to the problem, which is it sounds like people will get paid for spreading misinformation rather than doing it for free. Uh, and I already well, see so- uh, there's like an, emo- like, um, yeah, what I'm doing and like what you're doing on the internet is not nearly as possible or not nearly as profitable and popular as like what, um, you know, this, like, I, I'm sure you've heard the term this uh, left and right wing grifter where it's a person who just tells people shit's fucked and there's no hope to change and we need yep. to do political revolution and we need to occupy the fucking Michigan state house because they're telling us we got to wear masks and we need to, uh, you know, we, we need to the, put all the landlords uh, in guillotines and cut off their heads. And like that shit is getting tons and tons and tons of like people directly donating and supporting it. Um, yeah. And it's like, with right. the, like the blockchain seems like that's just going to make it a fit. Like, 
you know, it, it will eliminate like the, the the shadowy Russian influence of the equation. Like you'll be able to know that right. these are actual real but, people. Yeah. But there's plenty of patriotic, red-blooded yeah. Americans spouting crazy shit, uh, getting direct yeah. monetary support from the people right now. Yeah, I you're right. And I don't know how to solve that. Um, we have to teach. That, I, mean, I mean, that that's just true, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's sort of like a, a the internet version of of you know the the normal news media flicking your amygdala to get attention. And, and right, I I I don't know. I don't know how to solve that. I mean, it's public. Edu- it's, it goes back to public education and like the fact that like we've cut more and more and more to yeah. where you can't even have a music and art class, let alone a critical thinking, a logic, media literacy. Like, uh, how do you interpret yeah. statistics? How do you? Um, because man, I, it's, it's, it's just wild to me to see stuff that goes on in Facebook and Twitter and people that I respect yeah. and admire just, you know, like I, it used to be that like people would share a study that was bullshit and misleading or had a conclusion opposite of what the data said. But now I'm seeing this rise of like people just sharing infographics that have no yeah. attribution that have, don't even usually have their X and Y axis labeled. And it's like, yeah. you know, this, there's like some of it's like little truthy, but like, it's just, it, there's nothing there's It's just a, it's just a, it's just a USA today style pie chart with whatever the person wants it to say. And can you drill that down to a fact or two facts or like, no, it's, but it, it gets shared in a hundred thousand people like it. And yeah. that's now a fact, something that someone can whip up in Photoshop in five minutes. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's really frightening. It, I guess the only, the only thing that I can offer there is what I'm personally doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I've been frustrated with that kind of thing for, for a long time, but mm-hmm. the second that people started uh, sharing information about the virus that was dog shit. Yeah. Um, I, I treat it as an opportunity to uh, quarantine um, viral stupidity. Mm. I uh, just, again, this just for me, like the, the, the only person I, I know who has a, a, a worse hair trigger for banning people um, from their, you know, social media presence or blocking people on Facebook or whatever is real. Uh, <laughs> and for totally different reasons sometimes. But, man, but is that is that, a, that you know? I'm. I'm do you think I, that works? Like, I don't. I don't think this is the be all and end all. I think culturally, this is honestly one of the one of the reasons why we started the the the, the Church of Reason. And again, like it's a, an exceedingly small, tiny little community. Mm-hmm. But you know, all I can think of to do is like, okay, well, anybody who wants to you know, build community and hang out with more people that sort of have this desire to have a deep understanding of the epistemological nature of the information that they're getting and that they're sharing. I, all I can think of to do is get rid of the people that aren't doing it and make it as, as sort of culturally taboo to be like that as I personally can. Well, that's um, a, so I, collect I, people, you know, right. Yeah, man, right on, right on. And I, I there's another thing I got that, that I want to know uh, what we should do about. Cause like the other thing I think that we are getting kind of ran out. Um, so like on Twitter, I remember when the, you know, this virus stuff first started. Cause I, I follow, you know, I, I follow news and, you know, I started seeing this stuff in in uh, late January, early February. And we were talking about it on the bald move side and then lunch and stuff. And, you know, I was looking at like what was going on in China and then, you know, Italy and, 
uh, you, you, some of the, the the stuff coming out of the the early stages of Italy as their hospitals are being overwhelmed and and whatnot it was really really frightening. And you know, uh, to his credit, our governor in Ohio uh, was one of the first states to kind of like shut down schools and 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 start enforcing social distancing and closing down public places of meetings and whatnot. Um, a lot of voluntary stuff. Like I was blown away. Like the first time I sat up and like, oh shit, just coronavirus is not to be fucked with is when they essentially canceled the NBA season. I'm like. No way yeah. billionaires shake each other's hands and say, you know what? We're just not going to make hundreds of millions and billions of dollars this year. There's no way they do that unless they're genuinely yeah. afraid. But I started seeing. So like, you know, in the first couple of weeks, it was like broad support and everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, then there was a transition period where um, there was a pitched battle. Like every time the governor would say something on his Twitter page, you would have like 50, 50 people supporting and then saying you're a liar. You're a cheat. You should be fired. You should be drug out of the office. Then the protests started happening. And now like you go into the governor's Twitter threads daily. It's just a shit show. Like they have the, the anti-science anti-reason people have won. And I see the same thing going on in public areas. Like when I go to Kings Island, um, there is 10 to 20 to one ratio between people wearing things that are nakedly offensive to me as a liberal, like, uh, yeah. you know, like a box of cereal with liberal cornflakes or to snowflakes and like a buff Tony to tiger with assault rifles is, is pouring it out and eating it with combat knives. And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Like, you know, like I, and I, I'm like, do I want, what we need to do is engage with these people to be like, you know, that's not cool. That's not me. That's I, uh, not my stare. But then I oh. ah, see, ah, you don't want to do it though. So like if we fire, no, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's that I, 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 I'm not going to sit there and dig a hole to nowhere. Engaging with them and telling them that is going to make them do it more. But if they take so over to, li- if they take over social media, they take over to public places and we just completely continue to firewall ourselves off. And we never as a, like I the, the, another thing, I don't know if you saw the plot against America. Um, uh, the David Simon show about like this alternate history of like, what if Charles Limbaugh had won the 1940 election and defeated Roosevelt and then cozied up with Hitler. And I, I, I have to that. So well, I thought that was frightening because like I, when I saw this happening in the communities and the communities would, you know, after these like, radio shows, everybody I listened to would go out in the streets and like have a discussion of as a community. Like there's this real sense of community. It's like, man, we don't have that nowadays. Yeah. And we are, yeah. we are retreating both online and in real space from these people colonizing these areas. And what, what's not, and I feel like that, um, I don't know that a lot of people see those t-shirts and they see there's a person that's, that's, uh, they are right. Those fucking snowflakes, those fucking liberals that cry every time you get their pronouns wrong, blah, blah, blah. They have all these like stories that they're telling themselves. And then other people that don't have an opinion otherwise hear that side and nothing else. And they're just like yeah. gravitate towards it. And I don't know. Cause like, man, I don't want to get in. I don't want to mix up with these people wearing fucking Punisher flag, uh, skull American flag t-shirt and fucking combat gear and all that kind of stuff. But like, aren't we going to have to eventually? Because what happens in November when, you know, a a, a worrying percentage of polls in like the deep South have a bunch of, you know, redneck militiamen guarding it from quote unquote malfeasance. And we have not like, well, how do we oppose that? Uh, Well, (laughs) uh, yep. So again, like when, when you said engage, like I, I automatically think like, oh, what we're going to tell them is that, that that's not nice. I mean, that obviously we're not going to do that because they literally feed off that like drunk asshole vampires. Um, yeah. I do think it's a good idea to, to uh, you know, if, if for, for every, 
you know, Trump had out there, there should be a math hat for, for every, you know, teacher uh, talking about uh, uh, liberals being snowflakes out there. There should be a fucking wittier one. Um, that but there's not targeting them. Yeah. But right? there's not. I, I, I agree. Like this, this is, this is, you know, the, the, there is an element to the culture game because they're like, they're, they're reveling, they're celebrating their own stupidity mm-hmm. uh, because it's a huge cultural uh, moment for them. Mm-hmm. It just, it has to be defeated to the point where, you know, like Nixon, they're fucking embarrassed that they ever voted for Trump and, and 20 to 30% of them um, won't admit it in the future. Uh, well, I think it's, it's possible some work. And also the Democrats are doing it exactly right uh, by doing the, the scientifically ethical thing of pushing for, for uh, uh, mandatory uh, mail-in votes or where, you know, at least making it, making it uh, right. federally funded to, to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, at least in, in Florida, working with the Democratic Party here, uh, we were doing a huge vote by mail push mm-hmm. with uh, uh, anyone, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, we were just encouraging people to register for vote by mail because and that's being seen as fraud. Happens, <laughs> the more we win, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's being seen as fraud or being trying to frame as fraud yeah. as voting. And again, like he's also he's going to say that elections rigged no matter what. Like honestly, yeah, no, you're right. I that. I agree. I think that like ever, anyone like I don't engage in Trump's like I I find it. You know, this like cottage industry of like people doing react tweets to his uh, and, and, and live Twitter streams of his press conferences and dunking yeah. on him like this. This is dumb. This is not doing anything. We should stop. Yeah, um, I, I would be lying if I said I, I, I didn't used to do it a lot. I no, it, it feels good. And, you know, it's, it but seemed no, like a, a lot of laughs, it, you know, it, it's pointless, though. Like it just after a while, like we, we covered we covered Trump like nonstop on coffee for two years and I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. We still, we talk about the important things that need to be talked about, but like how many times can you say this guy's a dumb asshole, cynical liar? Like, right. Until you're like, well, plus it's demoralizing because the dumb asshole, cynical liars running is running us out of the gym. It seems like, you know, it's kind of like, I remember the, I remember how, um, you know, as a conservative at the time, like how I bought into the whole Bush derangement syndrome that like was pushed on the right because like, my God, what is it? What does it must feel like to be, uh, a person that says this is the dumbest human being alive and also they're winning political victory after political victory after political victory. And now right. that I'm on that side, it <laughs> doesn't feel great. It <laughs> doesn't feel great at all. Really, yeah, really makes good. it really makes you doubt yourself. But um, well, yeah, it, like we actually bill, uh, uh, you know, hashtag copy my morning show as just a it's a, uh, a shelter so that people don't have to fill gas with. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's so much bullshit out there. They're like, no, that you're not crazy. The president did just say you should uh, uh, inject fucking Lysol into your lungs. <laughs> like that happened. The other thing I think is smart that like at least the, the I see coming out of Biden is like his refusal to say I'm not going to, um, you know, like if, if there's criminal proceedings against Trump after the election, I'm not going to pardon him. Because yeah. one thing you said about like everyone being too embarrassed to admit they mix like it's it's very hard to find someone who is pro Nixon. Very hard to find someone that was, uh, you know, pro Bush or pro the Iraq war in particular. Uh, but we know how yeah. popular it was at the time. The thing is, is like we keep on letting these people skate like, right. you know, yep. the idea that Roger Stone is out there fucking with our democracy in 20, you know, in 2016 is a direct result of the way we tried to like, oh, let's just move forward as a country. The same reason that we have Oliver North 
complaining about the actions that Iran <laughs> yeah. is taking with the missiles that he sold them illegally through yeah. some complicated drug scandal um, is oh. that we never held anyone accountable. We're let, we let these people pardon. And now Trump's invented the pardonless pardon where you have someone that, that, that pled guilty to an offense and you're just not going to, you're going to have your justice department decline yeah. to s- ask for sentencing. It's, um, and like if, if we don't do because that's the thing if like for the last 30 years, if we had held these people accountable and sent them to jail and they were disgraced publicly um, and not allowed back in public life. But like, you know, I was just watching yeah. the news yesterday and Carl Rove is being interviewed on CNN. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Do, we're doing it to ourselves, man. Like, I was like, like Carl Rove like, is going to come off as fucking totally reasonable compared to Steve Bannon. Yes. And I'm like, you know, like if you want to interview Steve or, or Carl Rove, it should be all about like, you know, why was the what were the intelligence failures of at least just relitigate the, the Iraq war instead of like asking 100%. his opinion on what the Democrats should do about their stress. It's just it's it's crazy. And I don't I, I like I it's still just possible to uh you know win a democratically fair election and hold yeah. people account accountable and start to counteract some of this stuff but for far too long i thought i think that uh liberals and maybe this is i can criticize this because i'm a i'm a recent convert it's only been in the last 10 15 years liberals have been reliant on the court system and essentially the winning the culture war through stranglehold on hollywood and we have let state legislatures and federal legislatures slip and and the and the judicial system at all levels kind of slip through our grasp and we're waking up to find out like man all that soft power we thought we had doesn't doesn't stand up to real power um well, and, and, and the republicans and have a it, lot of it that's 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 exactly that's exactly it i mean that they they realized they needed a propaganda machine in fox news and it's become so toxic that fox news isn't even good enough now and they're moving to that weird oan fucking bullshit yeah, uh, which is which is super right. weird. Yeah, no, I mean it's, the problem is huge. And I, and Rio and I talked in the last movie before podcast. We we're talking about the the you know the darkest possible timeline. Isn't this one? It could get way way worse. Oh right? sure. Right now, the Department of Justice has been poisoned more than it was under Nixon, which is when they you know they created all sorts of new norms and all sorts of new laws to actually make it a uh, a judicial branch that that uh, or you know a, a branch of the executive. It was actually about rule of law, and that, mm-hmm. now it's not. Right now, you know, the United States is legitimately moving into the states where it's a banana republic, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it. This is sort of make or break. It's yeah. like another four years of damage to the institutions that have been keeping things like relatively nominal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know what we do then. I, like, I really, I, I have no idea what that looks like. It's just to be super fucking bad. Yeah, like, everything else won't matter. Like all of our discussions about healthcare and UBI it doesn't matter. None right. of it matters at all. Right. If Trump gets reelected. Yeah. Like it's just nothing. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you know, even if you want to take the long term, it's like, oh, you know, the, the, the Republic will survive eight years of Trump. Um, you know, there's there are only so many times we can keep hitting snooze on stuff like climate change, uh, income inequality before you're going to have widespread civil you know, unrest and people with guns, both sides in the streets, because, you know, a lot of times uh, uh, people, I think people make the mistake to think that leftists are as um, anti-gun as your average, like centrist Democrat. Um, And I've seen, you know, there's, there's a lot of like grassroots of, you know, left-wing militant organizations growing up in the United States. And man, the last thing I want to see is uh, those boys and gals squaring off against the other side's boys and gals, because 
Like it's already like I've I've I think all the time, Corey, like what had happened in like the two or three weeks ago when you had these goons praying yep. in like what had happened if a single shot accidentally went off? A hundred percent. What would yeah, have happened? Would, like you would have had so many bodies on the ground. It would have been ridiculous. But well, uh, and, and when that goes to uh, to right wing media, suddenly it becomes I mean, like Trump already had, you know, people sending bombs to people like fucking Chris Hayes. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? like it, 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 it's bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean the, the the number of times that Trump has joked about, oh yeah, I should get like another term or fucking ten yep. years, Trump yep. land here forever. Like, mm-hmm. and people love that shit. They're like, okay, well, democracy's over now, mm-hmm. not later. It's over right now. Yeah, unless we somehow get a win. Yeah, and I'd swear this is part of the podcast where I encourage everyone to please make sure they're registered to vote. Um, yep. You know, there's millions of Americans who have been uh, through some legitimate but mostly illegitimate means taken off the rolls. Um, and you got to check that shit. Go like I, I go, I advocate everyone go to vote for one, one.org right now. Uh, and you check your voter registration status. And if you're not registered, you get it fixed because we're getting to deadlines where you might not be able to get things fixed. If you wait another month or two to, to vote in this general election coming up. So please, please, please. If you're as concerned as Corey and I about the state of the Republic and the world, uh, Check your status. Vote vote 411.org. There's a lot of others. I like that one. Um, but go there and uh, use their tools to, to, to check that you're registered to vote and and please vote uh, uh, in this upcoming okay. election. And uh, register for uh, vote by mail now if it's even remotely possible in your state. I know here in Florida you're just allowed to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason why you wouldn't. All the polls are going to be super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, at least then there, there, you know, is a, a paper trail and that's not going to be perfect either, but it, it, no. it's absolutely going to be the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the bright spots we come uh, out of COVID with is that maybe, you know, things that we've, some States, like I think it's Oregon and Washington have been doing this for over a decade now. You know, it's not yeah. just like you get a, you get a ballot in the mail and you, you uh, it's, it's postage yeah. free, re- return it. Lots of States making this work. It's not controversial. It's not shady. There's very, very, very little election fraud in this country. Um, and, you know, we, we've got a dismal participation in our democracy. You know, there's a lot of reasons for that, as we discussed recently on Three Right Turns. I know you guys have, too, got d- d- uh, dived into the uh, problems of electoral politics and stuff on your guys' podcast. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we got to got to get turned turn things around. And, um, you know, uh, and I, I don't advocate for people to go like uh, poking the bear if uh, it's some stranger at Kings Island or Costco wearing a skull Punisher, fuck liberals T-shirt. Uh, but, you know, if it's your aunt or uncle, your mom, or your dad, your brother or sister, your best friend from high school, uh, college roommate, fucking mix it up. It's it's time because yeah. if we don't start doing yeah. this in our personal relationships and, 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 and doing these mechanisms, it's going to happen in the streets. My God. And I don't want that to happen. So, um, and it's difficult. It's not easy. I, one of these days I'm gonna have to get, I want to get my dad on the horn so people can see like what it's like when we go, but you know what? It's, it's been a lot of hard work and it's been a lot of frustration, but I've had, I made headway on the old man. So, all right, well, that's good for me to hear. Cause like I, you know, um, am, am feeling exceptionally hopeless around it, but that like the, the any Trump supporters left in my life aren't in it anymore. Yeah. Um, they, you know, that it's just, it's a, it's a hard line for me. I just can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, uh, you know, um, there are some conservatives in my life that I have. I feel like still have uh, social capital that I can burn and spend. And I try to do what, uh, uh, what, what I can do. So well, thank you. 
you are an example for us all. <laughs> um, Hey man, I mean, that's the other problem. Like, my God, like, uh, um, we, I, I, sometimes I think I'd love to float the idea of us colonizing parts of the country. Like, Hey, yeah. Texas is purple. We need a million yeah. more Californians to, 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 to go move to, uh, Houston and Austin and San Antonio. And they're pretty nice cities are pretty cool. Uh, and we can flip it. that thing blue. Like maybe, uh, there, there is like, these these states these battleground states are, are a near run thing if we could get some well off people that can maybe work remotely and, and can move uh, you know instead, of, instead it, of fleeing these areas maybe we need to reinvest in them I, uh, I, I think I think that might be a, a really smart plan and I think like one of the silver linings of COVID I think remote work is going to be a lot more popular than it right. was um, as, as a societal thing which I think is just going to be good for work life balance anyway it's mm-hmm. going to be better for humans and while in the environments and all that other stuff too. But with the UBI, just think about like the, the, the average cost of living mm-hmm. in a red state, right? Yeah. You, know, you could go to, to bumfuck Tennessee and that's, go live out on a hill somewhere. That's what I'm um, talking about. And, right. And register to vote. And you know, that's then Bob's your uncle. Get after it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a big ass. Cause like, you know, that's the problem. It's not just like, Oh, ho, we're going to move here. Cause you know, like, uh, what if you move in a state that has no abortion clinic and you got daughters, uh, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of things you got to consider doing that. But like, you know, I, I think for too long, uh, a lot of us have grown up in small town America, rural America and like, fuck, this is bullshit. And we moved to the cities and urban areas and, uh, the United States government is set up to resist that kind of like concentration of political power and spread it out over empty acreage. It's just the way it's set up. And there's like, you know, people talking about changing that that's talking about fantasy. Like there's just no way you not without like doing something like I'm talking about, like recolonizing these areas with, with well, and then, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, we could, I go on and on about how like, you know, most of the problem with America goes back to like the civil war and the failed reconstruction and, you know, let, letting, letting the, the South off the hook, you know, like, Americans seem to want to forgive and move on and, and pass the buck to future generations. And the, the bill has just mounted to the point where like it's, it's up to our generation and like my son's generation. We're gonna have to fucking pay this bill, settle this bill, or it can't be, can't be pushed forward too much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I love what you're saying too about that. Like, you know, would it be more equitable for Idaho not to have fucking two senators the same as California? Of course it fucking would. But like, how do you change that? I'd yeah. That's that's a heavy lift. That's one of those things where we can't even wrap our heads around getting rid of the idiotic electoral college. I mean, people just don't understand what equity in democracy even means. Right. Like I've had people tell me like, Oh, you, you can't, you can't have, uh, everybody in, in California telling, you know, people in Idaho, you know, they can't have more power, even more power. It's like a hundred million times more people in California than Idaho. So you're saying that one vote should not count for one vote. One we, vote should count for 200 votes if you're not, you know. So you're yeah, that's the thing. Like, I do think there needs to be, I do think there needs to be some balance because like, um, you know, there, there, I, I, I would hate for like a small rural state to become the garbage dump for all of America because we just all got together and decided that. Um, but like what right. you've got, cause I think That's it's, true. it's not just the electoral college. It's like the fact that like we haven't reapportioned the houses since like what, 1930 something. 
Um, you know, like, yeah. like California had the number of representatives in the house that they truly should have had, had we not frozen it. Like, you yeah. know, like, like the way the U S population, we should have something like 2000 U S representatives. Um, <laughs> exactly. We should probably have divided some of these, you know, like California maybe should have been divided into three different States. Maybe Texas should trans like do that Voltron thing that they can do in their constitution and split apart into five. Like there's ways maybe, maybe DC should be a state. Maybe we should let Puerto Rico win. There's lots of, but like every time you start yeah, talking about I mean, that, the Republicans Puerto love Rico, to. Yeah. Because well, all of it will, will potentially erode their power. Right. Um, and that's, that's where, but that, that's, that's the thing is like to start winning, we got to start winning. Um, yeah, no, I think like we, we, we absolutely have to stop trying to, like play to what Republicans will call fair because it's bullshit. Yep. That's right? true. If we're going to push for vote by mail. Fuck off. Yep. Right. And honestly, like when it comes down to it, if Trump gets reelected, the second that Andrew Yang becomes uh, president 24, uh, he just mandates that we're going to uh, increase the courts to 18 and they're going to have two different sessions and everyone can politely go fuck themselves. Yep. Like it just, there are things that we can legally do that we should just start doing. And it's wild because when I, I was just on oh, with Bastiat last week and I brought up that late in the conversation about port, uh, court packing, he's like, ah, I don't know. That seems like a big hammer to use with the, or I forget exactly, but like, I find it like, man, as long as people kind of like in the middle of politics are unwilling to fight dirty and that's not even dirty that's like a power that the president has like expanding the courts and like you know the 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 trick is to do it in a way that then you fix the problems in the system like you get rid of some of these you know you codify how you do it in the future instead of like being like all this weird rules of order and gentlemen's agreements and like well you need a super majority for this but uh 51 just just a just a simple majority for this and we can change the rule with a simple majority vote like we get that's you gotta you gotta you gotta to fix the locks of the system, change the keys, and then make sure, like you know, like it's going to be fair for the future. Um, yeah, because yeah, otherwise, I mean, every every norm has been broken, and mm-hmm. it's going to be up to Democrats now to codify all that stuff into law. Yeah, but um, also that's yeah. also like I think the the reason the centrists do that is because um, they're you know uh, prone to uh, propaganda, lack of education of anybody. Like a lot of times. Um, with the, the 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 left of the country has allowed the framing to be the the framing of the rights choosing rather than you know take uh, the fight the fights and take the political hits early the way that like you know republicans again um have have shown a willingness to do um yep. so yeah, i mean we 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 definitely need to grow up as a political movement and like if, if there's ever been a time it's going to be now i mean like it, the that there is a plausible existential threat to the republic mm-hmm. and that's real like that's not hyperbole that's that, that's a real thing that's going on and both sides um, and that this thing is both sides of the country vehemently believe that like uh you know the the right things that the the, the republic is hanging by a, th- a thread just the same as as we do um you know it's just that we got completely different ways of looking at what a threat is yeah and what's what's they, what's they, they, want, they want a kingdom which sort of destroys the idea of democracy. It is wild how I've seen both on the far right and the far left, this desire for getting rid of democracy that like, you know, um, I've seen like a lot of far right people talk about unironically, like maybe we should have a King. Um, and then a lot of people on the far left be like, well, can you really trust the proles to pull the lever the right way? (laughs) It's like, man, gotta, gotta all gotta fight against the anti-democratic forces everywhere. It's, It's legit. 
I do want to, I, I, I have to, I have to get around it, but um, I do want to say you, in a, you brought it up earlier and it just came back up again in the, in the sort of realm of, uh, you know, climate change and, and how, and you brought up uh, uh, nuclear at some point and the Democrats need to kind of get, uh, get behind it. AOC out of the blue just came in and, and said, you know, looking more and more into uh, uh, climate change and nuclear power. Uh, she's coming around on that, which is fun because that recently, like in the last probably 18 months, uh, looking at, at, at real data and doing a deep dive on it, I've sort of flipped on that myself. Uh, with uh, with new evidence, so yep. that, was, that was kind of fun to see. No, I'd like to talk about that because, like, I think that um, I've kind of flipped and then flipped again because. Um you know, I, I watched a Chernobyl um, show on HBO and the truth yeah. is that shit is like there's, you know, coal steady state pumps out tons of radioactive material, tons of carcinogens in the air. Uh, but if one explodes, it doesn't take out a continent. Um, and I think that like things have changed a lot. There's like these pebble bed reactors that literally cannot go critical. Um, yeah. And there's a, reactors are yeah, awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot of other things that like, but I think that it's, it's on us and scientists to go out and convince people. Cause you can't tell a yeah. person to be afraid that they're being, that there, that is, you can't tell a person that's afraid that we just don't have anything to be afraid of. You have to convince them. You have to. And the right. other thing about nuclear power is unfortunately, I think if we'd have done this 30 years ago, uh, we'd be where we need to be, but like, it's just expensive and long-term process to build the kind of nuclear p- uh, potential that we need yeah. now, but they Hey, should, they should all be public, not private. Hey, um, we should, you know, but it's uh, to the extent that like it, uh, uh, we can make these arguments and start, you know, talking people down off the nuclear ledge. We should definitely do that. And having a person like AOC on our side to do that is, uh, I'll take it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's huge. Um, yeah, man, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Man. No, I appreciate you coming on. Um, if they want to find you, Corey, uh, tell them where they can t- tell them about uh, moving forward and coffee and church. Oh yeah, so church, man. Uh, so the uh, uh, coffee and church both stream uh, live from our YouTube channel. Uh, it's just youtube.com forward slash c forward slash coffee live uh, for for that stuff. And we do uh, church on on Sundays. Um, God's never there, but, uh, it's, it's really fun. And for anybody that has the Java version of Minecraft, um, we actually built a cathedral to reason, uh, in, in Minecraft itself. Yeah. Uh, of course we, we stream live from it, but we're, we're more than excited to have people join us in the actual, uh, uh cathedral for, uh, for the secular sermons, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern standard time, we stream, uh, uh, copy live, uh, which is, you know, we just sort of talk about, uh, uh everything on that. Uh, and then, of course, for the Moving Forward podcast, um, we're actually doing like uh, um, two to four releases a week now. Um, yeah, you guys are really moving. stepped it up recently. Yeah, Rio got to be in his mind. So I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> at least show up. Uh, movingforwardpod.com uh, will link you to, uh, uh, to, to that. Or you can just uh, search for Moving Forward. I usually find like there's a lot of people with that title in their podcast, apparently. Mm. So if you search in your, in your podcast thing, Moving Forward Rio, um, usually comes up in, and um, uh, best yeah. of all, I'll have all those links in the show notes. So if people don't want to muck with that, they can just go and they can just go and, and click on it and uh, find and follow you guys. Cool. 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 All right. I got to come back. I got to come back on your show sometime and maybe get a coffee That's in too. It's been, it's been far too long. Absolutely. Gotta, yeah, I got to gotta, gotta keep, I got to keep Rio on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right. All, the help I can get. all right, man. I, I appreciate you coming on and it's good talking as always. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks. 
That's it for three right turns this week. Thanks again to Corey for coming on the show. Check out his weekly podcast at movingforwardpod.com. Once again, I have that link plus his contact information in the show notes for this episode. If you enjoy what we're doing here in the Swizzbold Network, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Swizzbold. You get access to our monthly live stream, which is, by the way, coming up this week, Friday at 730 Eastern. Uh, there's already a, uh, a Patreon uh, post that's soliciting questions if you're at the appropriate uh, support level and the link to where the show will be uh, appearing is already up there again it's this friday uh, so you get access to that uh, custom reddit flare and much more and at this time i'd like to personally thank this month's fred level patrons greg rasp george p burdell gerald harrelman arvin rao kira grusho Marcon, angela morano and laura luthe Thanks, y'all. Couldn't do it without your support. I'll be back next week with another show as we continue our six-week sprint of three right turns. In the meantime, check out the one weird trick Cecily and I did this week as well. It's a double Swizz Bold week this week where I talk about how you can develop your social skills. Cecily advocates for safe words before we dispense some advice for dealing with a dead bedroom. Maybe safe words are involved. Finally, you can get some cool merch and support our shows at merch.swizzbold.com. Until next time, please register to vote. Please support black Americans. And if you get out there in the streets, stay safe and watch each other's backs. Make the best of this week. See you next time.